0: My name is Josh Hadley. I host Lost in the Static and Radio Drome on jackaloperadio.com. This episode you're about to hear isn't really a part of either of those shows. It's just a special I wanted to do with Lewis Lovehog. We'll call it Lost in the Drome. All right, and welcome to a special episode of Lost in the Radio Drome. I don't know, this doesn't really fit in with my other shows, but... Something happened recently and in the comics industry and it really pissed me off and I wanted to talk to a very smart comic fan, Lewis Lovehog aka Linkara about this. What's going oh, on, Lewis? Shucks.
1: <laughs> you consider me like smart and stuff.
0: You mean it's all an act on the show?
1: Oh yeah, I'm I'm dead stupid.
0: <laughs> you said it not me, so all right. <laughs>
1: But yes, oh, what news have we from the wonderful world of comics?
0: We have to tackle the elephant in the room. We are recording this, I believe, four days after DC Comics announced its idiotic reboot.
1: It's hard to say if it is a reboot now though. I mean, I now it's slowly more information than coming out. The real problem has been that they nev- that the lack of information from the start. They didn't just come out and say, "Not a reboot. There's just certain things that are going to change and we will t- and here's what is going to change." I always hate the the lack of information. If they just had more of them telling us exactly what was going to happen, half of this the 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 negative feedback on it wouldn't be there.
0: It's the same thing that happened when Disney announced that they bought Marvel for, what was it, almost two weeks before they gave any details of what Disney's involvement would be? It was two weeks of speculation on the Internet of, you know, Mickey Mouse crossing over with the Punisher and stuff. It's I I don't know. I, I think the ad people don't think it through most of the time. But the part that really angers me, and, I mean, we'll get to the whole rebooting certain characters' histories and that in a minute, but is the whole going digital thing, the whole we're launching the digital comics on the same date, basically they're saying buy comic book stores. See, this
1: pisses you off. It does not piss me off. Now you, now why don't you give your reasoning for why he's a bad
0: move, and I will counter here. Okay. I first of all, I hate digital comics. I, I I don't mean ones that are created specifically for digital, like web comics, and that. I'm talking if the there's a Justice League comic I can hold in my hand, I want that version. I don't want the one to read on my iPod. To me, that's not. It's not the same. I need some sort of. Tactile feel. It's the same thing with online magazines. When uh, like Film Threat went out of business and they went to FilmThreat.com dot com. Maybe I'm an old fogey and you should get off my lawn, but it's not the same. I don't like it. So get off
1: my lawn. Anyway, uh, but yeah, I get I get what you're coming from. And there's always. But the thing is, they're not saying they're going to totally replace them. The advantage of digital comics is saving of space and reduced printing costs because it saves them money to not have to continually print a lot of, of books that probably won't get sold uh, but, even, but let's uh, go back to what uh, you learned about originally with your very first point which was goodbye to comic book stores now I, would, I will argue that this is not going to genuinely hurt comic book stores and here's why, any comic book store that sells exclusively just comic books and relies upon them for their sole source of revenue is already going to die out Every successful comic book store that I have ever visited has more than just comic books in it. It has gaming. It has DVDs. It has models. It has toys and expanded beyond just the comic stop uh, shop. It is a hobby store more than, than, a, than a straight comic book store because there's just not enough money to be made in comic books.
0: See, I'd agree with you in, in principle. But the uh, I, live in, I live near Green Bay, Wisconsin. And the comic book store here that's very successful, they do have other things. They've got action figures and things of that nature, T-shirts and all that. But they don't deal in role-playing games. They don't deal in board games. They don't deal in DVDs. They do deal in some movie collectibles, like you'll find an old Friday the 13th poster and stuff like that. But they're, they're mainly comic books and action figures. And they're quite successful when they heard about this, because I, I actually stopped in there the day this was announced, and they said, if Marvel, Image, and Dark Horse follow suit on this, they'll be out of business by this time next year.
1: Well, that also assumes that a lot of readers are going to follow digital. Uh, I mean, as you said, you prefer having something tactile in your hands and something you can flip the pages of. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that uh, that everyone is going to instantly stop buying the physical ones, because, I, yeah, personally, I prefer having graphic novels that I can put on my shelf. I hate having the floppies, but at the same time, I like you know reading on a monthly basis and don't want to have to wait half a year for a trade to be released and most of, and sometimes never gets released at all. But this also is helpful for people overseas that don't have uh, local comic book stores, uh, rural areas that want comic books, but are probably but the closest one is at best an hour away. This is going to be helpful on a lot of levels, and I think in the long run, it, it you need to change or die. And I think it's good that they're finally embracing this strategy. Now, pricing is going to be interesting. I don't, I can't recall if they've ever announced what the prices for the comic books are going to be or not.
0: I read somewhere, I don't know if it was an official thing from DC or some specul- speculative article, but that they would be about half the price of the regular book. Therefore, now, book fifty
1: still seems a bit bit much in my opinion, but.
0: Well, and then, well see, what are you do? There's also a side to this as well that I don't think DC's seeing. For one thing, it's a side that they never would have gotten a chunk of anyway, and that's the collector's market. Less copies of, say, the new Batman is just going to drive up the collector's market 10 years from now and make that worth more, or at least be charged more, because there's going to be fewer copies out there, because that digital copy's not going to be worth anymore. It's to
1: suggest that the speculator market will make a, a mega big booming return again and if it does it'll just crash and burn once again because of the because it's just not worth it. You could, yeah the, price, the the value of individual comics may go up again
0: but not by much. Well I didn't mean the, specula- the speculator market. I mean just 10 years from now I find I'm missing Batman 842 and before say there were a million copies out there now there's only 250,000 it's going to be that much harder for me to find that copy of that Batman issue that I'm looking for for my collection perhaps at least that's the way I look at it
1: I don't know. It, maybe it's just because I come at it from a different uh, uh, mindset because I don't, bu- I, I hate when people call me a comic book collector because I don't buy comics to collect them. I buy them to read them. I'm in it for the story. I mean, no one says that I collect TV shows when I watch them.
0: Well, see, I'm, uh, I I also read, I've read every comic that I have, I mean, other than, uh, obviously, the stack of to-read stuff, but you know what I mean. In general, <laughs> yeah. I read what I buy. But I also consider myself a collector because I still want it in good shape. I I want it to look nice. But here's the the real thing, and this is with me as a collector. I also collect video games and role-playing games and movie posters and that. I collect them for me. I'm probably never going to sell these things unless I get so destitute that I need to to survive. So Mm -hmm. there's no speculation involved of going, ooh, that's worth a lot of money. It's, ooh, I want that. To me, there's a difference in that kind of the word collector there. I suppose so. Because to me, my comic book collection is stuff I don't want to get rid of. I buy it because it looks cool. If it sucks, okay, then I go and sell it. And I've done that a lot with especially Marvel and DC stuff over the last 10 years. A lot of my collection is weird stuff that... I'm lucky that I found in the first place. I'm probably never going to find another copy for 25 cents at some hole-in-the-wall comic book store that no one's heard of in 20 years.
1: And that is fair enough, but uh, what about the people who don't have ready access and are just you know, trying to get access to books but they can't because you know, they don't have access to comic book stores?
0: I totally agree with you on that one. I totally agree it'll open it up to the, inaccess- the previously inaccessible people. That you're not going to get an argument from me on. I just All still right. think I, th- I think Marvel is going to jump on this next because it seems like those two companies can't do anything without the other one trying to copy them. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Look at me- no, no. I
1: go, I know. I know. I, I've I've read a lot of lists uh, of of the just the parallel histories of the two. Any of and anything you can do, I can do better. Mindset,
0: right? And and another reason I wanted to talk to you on this is now I don't know your exact age, but I'm 36. I know I'm you am 23. Okay, see, I've got quite a few more years on you. I remember buying this stuff. I was in high school when Liefeld and McFarlane started Image Comics. I grew—I mm. literally grew up in that stupid phase. <laughs> and, and I admit, no, I, I was not a speculator. I wasn't buying five copies to keep them and whatnot, but I did buy all those crappy Liefeld books and McFarlane books and all that stuff. I bought them all when they were new because we didn't know that they sucked. We didn't know Youngblood would suck. You had to buy it to find out. Rob Liefeld doesn't know how to write or draw, or pace or edit or anything else. (laughs) You know, and I also I really got mad at you for missing a couple of jokes in your Youngblood two review. Oh, you missed all the uh, eye patches switching sides from panel to panel.
1: Oh, I uh, I'm sorry. I
0: should have I should have seen that. Because I remember when I first bought that, I'm like, it's on her left eye. Now it's on the right. Now the eye patch is gone, and now it's back to her left eye. What the hell's going on? I think
1: with that kind of thing is the art just starts to blur after a while. You don't notice the little details.
0: (laughs) I know, but I was just kind of like, I kept waiting, and I'm like, Lewis, Lewis, and the review's over. I'm like, he totally missed that. But the main reason I wanted to talk to you was new comics versus old, like I said. I have not bought a Marvel book since the end of Civil War. I really started to get back into Marvel during Civil War. I thought they were doing that right, and then I read Civil War 7, and Mm. the ending got me so angry I gave up on Marvel again. And I haven't bought DC since before Superman was the electric blue idiot. <laughs> I'm not saying I I haven't picked up some of these books. I looked at them, read read some of them, and just this new stuff doesn't appeal to me. I, I I hate to sound like the crotchety old man, but I don't like what they've done to the characters I grew up with.
1: To me, which uh which characters in particular are you referring to in which and which uh which things in particular, would you say...
0: For Marvel, such as the... Now, I, I don't even... I doubt he's still wearing this, but that idiotic costume Spider-Man wore during Civil War with the, the big legs coming out the back. Oh, the
1: Iron Spider of it? Yeah, he okay. hasn't worn that in like two, three years now. Okay,
0: but then his his revealing his identity to the public... Don't even get... That's rest- been undone. Okay. I was gonna say, I, I haven't read spider-man in years but don't even get me started on one more day i'm just as mad about that (laughs) as you i think that was just the stupidest thing in the world and i'm not even a spider-man fan and that pissed (laughs) me off um i really don't like what they did to moon knight moon knight was always one of my favorite characters and i think the way he was portrayed in the early 80s when he was a backup character for the hulk before he got his own book amazing amazing stories in that
1: and now, I can't speak to that, unfortunately. I've never read any Moon Knight.
0: Okay, well, I would highly recommend it to any listeners and to you, Lewis. It's Back when the Hulk had his uh, magazine-sized comic called Rampaging Hulk, which re- later became the Hulk, Moon Knight was the backup feature. You can get the, the reprints in Moon Knight Special Edition 1, 2, and 3 from mm-hmm. the mid-'80s. They reprint all the stories. And now the character, at least I bought the first few issues of the new current series, and he's whiny, he kills people. He's all emo, all down on himself that he's not the superhero he used to be. And it's like, you emo my character. What happened? How could this happen to me? Exactly. <laughs> and, and sometimes, I think the last book I picked up just for the hell of it that I really enjoyed was uh, Stormwatch Team Achilles. I, I think mm-hmm. Team Achilles is nothing like a superhero book you've ever read before. And it doesn't have any continuity with the old Stormwatch other than the title. I highly recommend it. You can get all those in trades, by the way, Lewis. I recommend those highly, but they are very, very adult. It's what a government-sponsored team of all humans... With, with, there's one superhuman, but his power doesn't deal with a, doesn't help him a whole lot. Who It's their job to police the superhero community of the Image Universe. And they hate superhumans, or S- SPBs, superpowered beings as they call them. They keep beating all. They they beat the authority multiple times by using real-world military tactics against the authority. Because the guy that wrote it used to be a green beret, or so so he claimed. He got fired for. Was he lying about his resume? So we don't know how much. But all the the tactics are sound, and Mm -hmm. I highly recommend the book. And that's the last book I really picked up and enjoyed. And I know you. You seem to really enjoy
1: titles, though. Uh, would you say you picked up in like in like recent times aside from civil war that you think just totally are not interesting enough i would say don't hold you in your interest aside from uh, moon knight and civil war
0: i would say like to switch over to dc i was really pumped for identity or um what's the one where blue beetle got killed at the beginning Uh, uh infinite crisis infinite crisis countdown to infinite crisis is an amazing book And I've always been an old-school Blue Beetle fan back during the funny years when Geffen and Demetis were writing the book. Mm -hmm. And I was so happy to see Blue Beetle finally getting his due and, let's face it, getting a pretty heroic death, actually. Yeah. And so I was pumped. So I started buying all those books. I I guess I was wrong. I have bought DC after that. I I totally forgot about that. (laughs) And they were horrible. Infinite Crisis was terrible.
1: Oh, I would argue against that. I really enjoyed Infinite Crisis myself.
0: Did, was the OMAC Project before or after Infinite Crisis?
1: Uh, OMAC, crisis bef- uh, OMAC Project before Infinite Crisis I thought was pretty good, actually. Uh, uh, all the lead-up to Infinite Crisis was really good. Infinite Crisis itself, the ending was not all that great, but I enjoyed the ride.
0: I've heard uh, it's something like Wonder Woman breaks Max Lord's neck or something like that. Yep, twists it
1: around 180 degrees.
0: And see, that's another thing, a character that they'd completely pissed all over. Max Lord. No,
1: no, 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 no. Well, okay. Well, they did afterwards. But, uh, but Infinite Crisis itself, that was totally in character for Diana, especially in the lead of, up in her regular book. She, it's important to remember she's not a traditional superhero.
0: No, I was referring to Max Lord.
1: Oh, Max Lord. Uh, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. We'll we'll definitely agree there.
0: <laughs> because I loved him when he was a money grubbing Donald Trump style sleazebag bag who couldn't get do anything right. That's the he was Max nice Lord
1: guy and Manor ready, knew he was a nice guy.
0: Yeah, and then all of a sudden, oh yeah, I that was all a fake, and I've been a uh, evil and making this scheme for the last thirty years. Ha 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 ha. No, I don't buy that at all. I didn't buy that at all. Maybe I just I only picked it up periodically but it was Birds of Prey. I was picking it up, and like they're, they're teamed up with Blue Beetle, and Deathstroke is a main character in the book, and I'm like, uh, what I happened to the birds?
1: If if Deathstroke was ever a main character in Birds of Prey, it probably was during uh, Chuck Dixon's time in the book, because I don't recall that ever happening. Well,
0: okay, the ones I picked up, he was a main character in those issues. So I don't know if that was just a certain story arc or not, but I remember Deathstroke and Birds of Prey, and I'm like, why is he here? I I love Deathstroke, don't get me wrong, but why is he here? And I've heard something, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Nightwing has become Batman or something? He's wearing the costume Uh, or
1: something? uh, Yeah, and after uh, the last uh, big crossover event of Final Crisis... Batman supposedly died even though, though even though everyone kept saying, "Oh, Batman's dead, even though on the very last page of Final Crisis, we see him in the past in a cave. Uh, Dick Grayson becomes becomes Batman, and those books are really enjoyable. You get to see uh, Dick really trying to uncover what 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 the elements of Batman that worked and how he's going to be different as Batman. Uh, you see him having to deal with this, with the issues of having a cape he's not used to fighting with a cape creating different kinds of outfits for himself as Batman and basically you know coming into his own as Batman sure night as nightwing he was on his own he was in the center he was in the spotlight he was great he was his own hero but and it worked really well it was really good i enjoyed it
0: so it wasn't as bad as when they tried to make Azrael the new Batman in the 90s
1: yeah it didn't go it didn't go, it didn't go as badly as that
0: Because that was pretty bad. I, I remember all the hype around that, and it was like, but this sucks.
1: I don't, I don't think it was ever in a, their intention to keep Azrael as Bat, as Batman. It was just a, let's try this, uh, if if readers respond to him, great. It's the same thing with the Electric Blue Superman. Uh, a lot of times with, uh, with writers, I've talked to Dan Juergens about this, it comes down to they want to try something different. If readers connect with it, great. If they don't, well, we'll just bring it back to the way it was. No problem.
0: Well, speaking of the Electric Blue Superman, that's something else I wanted to talk about was sometimes and like you said, maybe there was a reason behind it, sometimes it seems like change for the sake of change. You know, it doesn't it seem does like feel there's feel a that reason. Way,
1: and it's and it's really a bad idea. And that's and that's also why this feels really bad, this upcoming quote unquote reboot, which we're not certain if it's a
0: reboot or not. Well they've already done that with zero hour and Crisis on Infinite
1: Earths. And And people say Crisis was handled really well, and it really wasn't. There didn't seem to be a lot of memos passed around about whether or not people remembered the events of Crisis or who was a new hero or not. Hawkman was the biggest problem with that. Oh, yeah.
0: Zero Hour tried to deal with that, and that made it even more convoluted. Mm. I remember that because so I remember Hawkman. They actually had a panel that was making fun of it, where I think twenty different Hawkmen in slightly different costumes were around, and they're like, "Who is the real Hawkman?" At this point, <laughs> and at, you know, at that point, nobody knew. But I mean, sometimes the change, and again, this might go to they had planned this all along. But after the reign of the Superman, when Hal Jordan went nuts and became Parallax and murdered that entire town and whatnot, it, you kind of know. I don't buy that Hal Jordan would ever do that. It was just they were trying to clear the way for Kyle Rayner to get a younger Green Lantern in there. It seemed like
1: there's a lot. Of, it's it's it, there's a lot of stuff that was going on behind the scenes in the Green Lantern books. Actually, there were solicitations for some other Green Lantern event that they had kind of planned on doing, uh, and in fact solicited it uh, in the in those issues leading up to uh, Hal Jordan becoming Parallax. But for some reason or another they decided Hal's just not connecting anymore, let's clear the path and, and create a new Green Lantern character.
0: The way I look at it, that was a really bad way to write him out though.
1: It was. It was not handled very well, which is why eventually they invented the yellow space bug to clear him of responsibility.
0: And speaking of, you know, that I mean look at Death of Superman. Everybody knew Superman was not gonna stay dead. It was only a okay. matter of time of how long he'll stay dead.
1: Well, the thing about the death of Superman was that it was never about... It was never Superman dying. It was about how does the world react to Superman dying? Because no one had really done that story before.
0: Well, they did, like, some Elseworlds stuff back in the pre-crisis, but... Those, yeah, they had those done the occasional dumb.
1: Silver Age story, sure, but it's like one panel or whatnot. This is how, how does the world move on? Who becomes inspired? Who does not? How, do, how does the world recover from something like that? And then how does he rise higher than before?
0: And and you just reminded me of another character that they they pissed all over who did something very similar, and that was when the Punisher became Captain America.
1: Well, it didn't really become Captain America. You know what I mean. He put on his own version of it briefly, from what I understand.
0: But you know what I mean, that he thought he would take up the mantle of Captain America after his death, of course. And I'm a huge Punisher fan. Oh, my God, was I mad. Not as mad as when the Punisher was revealed to be an angel that had escaped from heaven and he had the spectral guns to kill demons with. That was the lowest point for the and Pun- the Punisher to me. Although I see on your upcoming reviews you've got him fighting Eminem soon. Oh, not fighting
1: Eminem. He's joining forces with Eminem. I, yeah, I, you I... want to talk about oh, really bad digital comics, uh, the Eminem and the Punisher comic? That's, that's a free online comic.
0: <laughs> wow. Yes. I'm I'm see I'm looking forward to it cuz I want to see what you do with it, but I'm not looking forward to it at the same time if that makes any sense.
1: I get what you're saying.
0: You know, I want to see what you do, but I'm also really looking forward to ri- your evisceration of Rise of the Arsen- Rise of Arsenal, cuz Arsenal was another character even back when he was Speedy that I loved. And the character that I see now has no resemblance to the character I was reading in the 70s and 80s. Right there with you, man. To me, it's just a guy with the same name and the same costume. Because I remember when he was uh, when he worked for Checkmate. I-, I loved when Speedy worked for Checkmate. Was, I, th- I think that was before he actually became Arsenal. I can't remember, mm-hmm. but yeah, when he was working for Checkmate and he had the daughter and he was uh, her- ex heroin addict, and that was some uh, yeah, great I think, stuff. I
1: think uh, I think when he went to Checkmate, he changed his name to Arsenal because up until that point, he was still going by Speedy.
0: Okay, I always found that ironic that a guy named Speedy would end up being a Druggy, but that's just me i'm sure that was the intent <laughs> well he'd been called speedy since what the late 40s when he first appeared there's also just like i said it's some, a lot of this seems like change for the sake of change or violence for the sake of violence like blob eating wasp's head it's just there to be shocking even though it doesn't really help move the story along shock moments
1: it's it's really i i don't understand why they put them in just for their own sake, I will never understand the mind behind it. There is, uh, there is something. Uh, let me play devil's advocate for a second here and actually argue in favor of the reboot. It will actually, it let's say it injects. I mean, I am not really in favor of all this, but uh, if let's say it injects new life into the characters and it is an opportunity for people to jump on and maybe get associated with characters that they were not familiar with before.
0: So it's becoming the ultimate universe, possibly. And i that's another thing that angered me. I didn't like the Ultimate Universe at all. But that's just me. I mean, if you can tell, I'm kind of a crank. Anyone that listens to either of my shows know I'm kind of a crank and I don't like a whole lot. So well, should- the entire
1: idea behind this uh, this little discussion between us is to discuss old versus new. Right. So let me, let me try to argue in favor of the new. All right. Eventually there comes a point, a character to evolve or change in some manner, or they just basically are telling the same stories over and over again and not really done in any creative ways. In that similar regard, Nightwing becoming Batman was a new story. It wasn't it, uh, sure they had done it briefly after the whole uh, Night Quest thing, but at the same time he was kind of vindictive about it. He felt like Bruce was still be- had betrayed him for the whole during the whole Azrael fiasco. This was Dick actually trying to fill in the, fill uh, Bruce's shoes. And it created a new dynamic and a new idea and actually had Nightwing training a sidekick because he was uh, training
0: Damian Wayne, Batman's son. Batman has a son. I really did miss a lot.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, Bruce had a son with Talia. How old's the kid? Uh, I think he's about nine or ten.
0: I really did miss a lot. Wow. Wow.
1: It's all right. It was supposed to be based off this uh this brief story uh that was uh like that was like a one-shot issue, but Grant Morrison kind of screwed up the date on it. So it, it the 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 story behind it, so no one's quite certain how exactly it came about. But but what we do know is he, it's Bruce and Talia's son. He was raised by the League of Assassins. He was very he's headstrong, arrogant, really kind of an asshole, but eventually as t- as you know, time has moved on, he's real he's He's kind of become a lot more likable.
0: Well, speaking of, Mm -hmm. you you brought up Dick Grayson taking over as Batman. Have you seen the trailer? It's actually a short film for the fan-made film called Grayson. For Grayson, yeah, I love that.
1: That was great. It's
0: it, it's absolutely brilliant. It sort of deals with the same thing. Batman's dead. He's trying to figure it out. I loved the the cameos by Green Lantern and Wonder Woman near the end. Although I have no clue how they were supposed. Really to. Really comes
1: across as it would work as a mini series as opposed to a movie. But it w- it did look very good and very professional.
0: There was yeah, there was way too much crammed into that four and a half minute trailer that could never be told well in a movie. It'd be like the Have you ever read the Watchman script that they tried to make in the late eighties? Oh God,
1: that, look, that was horrible.
0: Except for the ending, I love the fa- I love the fact that they fell into the real world and were reading a Watchmen comic book. That I thought that was, was brilliant. So stupid! It was brilliant. That was the best middle finger to all the nitpicking fans I've ever seen. I thought the ending was brilliant. The rest was terrible, especially because the comedian's a main character in the whole thing in the present. <laughs> That's not supposed to happen.
1: It felt like such. A, it, it was so stupid. It was la- it was wonderfully stupid, but stupid.
0: But Terry Gilliam was attached to direct at that point, and if there's a director that could have pulled that stupid script off, Terry Gilliam could have been the one to do it, I think. Robin Williams is who he wanted for Rorschach. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'm not joking.
1: Robin Williams in the 80s doing that. Yeah. <laughs> that I, I think he
0: said something like De Niro. No, no, it was Ron Perlman he wanted for The Comedian. That I could have Perlman. seen. Perlman could work. He, he, De Niro, he had some part for De Niro. I don't remember who he, he wanted, but some part was offered to De Niro when it was in pre-production before it all fell apart. <laughs> but yeah, that would have been a, a tremendous, nice disaster, which just would have reinforced everything Alan Moore's been saying for the last dozen years or so.
1: Pretty much.
0: <laughs> Speaking of, I want to get your opinion on this. You actually said something earlier that actually started a little twinge of anger in me. And you didn't mean to, and I have bitched about this on my other shows before. You used the term graphic novel. Did you mean it in the correct term of graphic novel, or do you refer to trade paperbacks and comic books as graphic novels?
1: Uh, I probably misspoke because usually when I mean graphic novels, I refer to books made specifically for a trade, not uh, not, not as collections. Collections of it are just trade paperback collections.
0: Okay, because it just bothers me that the term graphic novel has become the accepted mainstream term for comics, such as did you see the trailer for that animated Superman Doomsday movie four or five years ago? I
1: don't remember the trailer, but uh, but I'm assuming it said from the best-selling graphic novel?
0: Yes, the best-selling graphic novel, The Death of Superman. And I tried to throw my remote at the TV before my wife stopped me. Because it just... <laughs> no, it, it's like, what next? Are they going to say, the Batman, the best-selling graphic novel character of all time? It just it bothers me. I saw an episode of Law & Order Special Victims Unit. Guy had comic books. A serial killer was, was writing comic books. You know, maybe 20, 25 pages. And the cops keep going, yeah, the guy had a ton of these graphic novels in his place. And it just, that bothers me.
1: It's become the mainstream thing. In in order to try to separate the stigma of the word comic book, they meant it as graphic novels. And it doesn't work because, you know, it's just comic books. But, you know, when are you going to expect people out who are not actually comic book fans to actually know any of this crap?
0: I don't know. It's just it's one of those little pet peeves that just bothers me. And then, of course, people like Brad and Scott, my co-host on Lost and Static, always dig at me with that by using that term graphic novel, <laughs> because they know how much it it pisses me off. And as mu- as much as I believe you and you are right that Frank Miller is completely batshit insane, he has a great quote about graphic novels. Whether you call them graphic novels or comic books, whether you call them a hooker or a lady of the night, they're the same thing. You can't gussy it up by pretending it's something different. Mm. And even Alan Moore, he got mad uh, Time Magazine, called uh, Watchmen one of the uh, best graphic novels of all time. And he, I I can't remember if it was a print interview or not, but he said, I don't write graphic novels, I never have. I write comic books. (laughs) So even he can't stand the fact that people keep calling Watchmen a graphic novel. It's a comic book. Just it's a comic book. That's it. Another thing is and I, I know adult comics, I, I mean adult as in like heavy metal and stuff like that, are probably not your purview, both for you being a little bit younger and you being, well, not a pervert <laughs> like like me. I've noticed a shift in adult comics. You you used to have books like Heavy Metal and Epic Illustrated and Nineteen Eighty Four and Nineteen Ninety Four. That was those were the titles. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Mm-hmm. And, and creepy and eerie and that, that That would have nudity in them They would have adult stuff in the books But they were not about, about the adult stuff Now, the adult comics seem to be about Sex and violence And we'll try to get some story in between the sex scenes And it, it seems like th- there was this weird polar shift Of just going from adult comics to porn comics
1: believe the term used, for, especially for superheroes, is adolescent male power fantasies. And in this case, it's, it's the fact that we have a generation of people who are now becoming co- in comic book writers or build reputations of themselves as writing stuff like this. Garth Ennis in particular is the one I think of who write what, what is seemingly adult when really it's really immature.
0: Oh yeah, I, I'll agree with that. Because to me, adult is Mike Grell's run on Green Arrow. That was adult without being dirty.
1: I've uh, read bits of it, not like the not like the full run.
0: Well, have you ever read Longbow Hunters, the three issue miniseries?
1: No, I haven't. I know of it though.
0: Okay, that that's what I recommend to listeners. That that is adult without needing to be dirty.
1: See, now if I was going to argue for one, I would I would recommend uh, as say a comic that's adult. But still, it contains some of that that graphic quality to it, and yet still works because it's about the characters. Uh, Gail Simone series Secret Six, a group of six lesser-known supervillains who basically band together because they're so twisted. they they're twisted, but there's really an edge to them that you sympathize with, and you want to see them make it through the hardships they have, and they live their lives as mercenaries. But at the same time, they're really sympathetic
0: now, is this in spite a, of all that. Is this an ongoing book? This is one that I'll admit I haven't heard of. Is it's this... an
1: ongoing book, and unfortunately it looks like it's getting canceled along with everything else in the, in the reboot. Ugh. Yeah.
0: Well, now, what's your opinion on not the It's re-
1: simply one of the best damn things I've ever read in my life.
0: See, that's the way I would say with Stormwatch Team Achilles. You will pick it up, Lewis. You will pick those up. I will not stop <laughs> hounding you until you buy the trades for those. Or, oh, uh, we'll see. We'll see. Or Dreadstar, the Jim Starlin series from the 80s.
1: The problem with Jim Starlin with anything that I've read of his, it's the same damn story over and over again. Religion is evil.
0: Okay, Dreadstar has that. Okay, then I recommend the second half of the series when Peter David took over the writing chores. Okay. <laughs> You might be a little bit lost in some of the references if you don't read the, the Jim Starlin years, but the Peter David stuff is literally some of the funniest comics I've read in years.
1: You're not disagreeing with me, though, about the Starlin thing, are you?
0: I'm not, and I'm a Starlin fan, and I can't disagree I just, with you because you're I right.
1: noticing this.
0: You're right. I'd like to disagree with you, but you're not wrong. So there you go. I was going to ask you about crossovers. No, no, I know what
1: you're saying. It just, it just, I'm surprised no one else has figured this out before me.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, if you, if you really want to get down to themes in that, Mike Grell, all his stuff, while being incredibly well-written and diverse, is really all about the same thing. You know, it, it, it's about you know a guy refusing to accept his age and going on past the point of better judgment. That's pretty much everything Grell writes.
1: Yeah, but there are ways of uh, of making it different each time you do it. With Starlin, it feels like the exact same story being told over and over again.
0: Well, actually, one that was really different was Weird, the Reluctant Warrior. That was a six-issue miniseries that was very un I mean, it, it's preachy like Starlin does, but ironically enough, religion's not evil in that. It's corporations that are evil in that. Oh. Oh, and all, super, all superheroes are secretly uh, deviant sex maniacs. <laughs> I'm serious. Doesn't stress me. (laughs) It's spelled weird. W y r d. Weird, the reluctant warrior, and it was actually pretty damn good. What do you think about superhero comics or quote unquote serious characters that are actually funny? When when a good writer can make something like the Justice League, like Geffen and Demetis did in the eighties, and make it drop down, tears in your eyes, laughing so hard, funny.
1: It all depends on uh, if they can keep that. it all depends on the balance. Yes, you can have a great deal of humor in it, but when something serious does happen, I expect the mood to not keep being slapsticky, which is something I think they did that uh, Giffen and Dematius did really well uh, during their time, especially in the early issues of the book. I remember the story with
0: the... Uh, I think his name was The Gray Man. Oh, yeah, and uh, the one the one where Creeper got involved.
1: Hilarious stuff, but in the, but in the end, The Gray Man was, you know, and it was... It was pretty good to see Fate really showing off that, yeah, he's... Don't don't screw with Fate.
0: Uh, I would say I would recommend the two-part crossover between Justice League of America and Justice League Europe called the Teasdale Imperative. Not only, I think I have that. That one is great. It's the one where the guy's turning those European towns into zombies, and it is not only... It keeps the seriousness, and it, oh, it does make Batman still badass and the total straight man in pretty much both teams... It keeps a lot of the humor. It's got hilarious moments in it, even some meta moments where they're basically making fun of the person reading this book. And at the same time, it's creepy, it's scary, and it works as a horror story as well. Mm-hmm. And Geffen and Demetis were able to do that. They were able to balance those two things. And I think Peter David's another one that's able to do that.
1: Let's talk, uh, about, it. Let's talk about another old versus new kind of thing then. Now, you're a fan of the Ted Cord Blue Beetle then.
0: Oh, yes. Yeah.
1: Now, I am too, but Jaime Reyes ha- also had that balance of humor and serious that I was talking about in, his, ru- in uh, his book for Blue Beetle.
0: I couldn't get past his new costume. I thought the new costume looked ridiculous. Really? I I, just, I thought the new costume looked kind of goofy.
1: I've seen a lot worse possibilities that could be there. It's, it's just an armored suit.
0: It, just, it looks too ostentatious. Ted's costume was more or less practical.
1: Well, that's because Ted's costume was supposed to be practical. It was supposed to be a billionaire who had put together a simple you know, superhero outfit.
0: During the run of the Justice, League, he was constantly being made fun of, too. You know, people would always, where can I get like, goggles like that, man? That was like a regular joke that they had, that people wanted to get goggles like he had. <laughs> but, but speaking of humor, there's also probably what I consider the two funniest comics I've ever read in my entire life. Justice League of America Annual 4, the Justice League Antarctica, from the, <laughs> from the Geffen de Menace run, and the Tick Number 3, the original magazine-sized Tick. It's the one with Ah, the, the Tick. It's the one with the Electra parody, where the, the ninjas are hiding as shrubs. Move along, I'm a shrub. I laughed so hard, I literally had stomach pains at those two comics. <laughs> and I think that is a great accomplishment for a comic book, to just hit you in the gut like that, and make you laugh so hard. It's something I Darkwing don't... Darkwing Duck. Uh, I never read any of the comics, but the TV show, yes, the TV show was great. Were the yeah, comics... I
1: just, I, it, it just occurred to me, sorry to interrupt you, but yes, Darkwing Duck, the show, and I really, really, really strongly recommend the comics.
0: Okay, I've never... They
1: are simply superb.
0: Same style? And, say again? Same style?
1: Same art style as the show, yeah. Well,
0: I mean, same humor style? Yep. And uh, I will check those out. Then let's move to our favorite topic, crossovers, old versus new. Mm-hmm. I was buying in the era of Crisis on Infinite Earth, Secret Wars, Acts of Vengeance, Inferno, things like that. That was usually it lasted for three, four months. Maybe you had to buy one issue of every title to get the whole story. you know, Inferno would spill over into the Fantastic Four and Thor and things like that. Okay, fine. Now it seems like like Blackest Night. Am I wrong that that went on for like a year and a half, and you had to buy a dozen, tit- you know, a dozen issues of each title to get the whole story?
1: That is not true. Uh, The title lasted for about eight or nine months. Okay, almost eight. It was close to a year because most uh, events these days seem to be about seven or eight parts. Pretty much 90% of the tie-ins were not necessary to read, but it was the first time that I pretty much bought every single one of the tie-ins because the tie-ins were honestly that good.
0: See, I did that for... um... Uh, Secret Wars and or Secret Wars Two. Sorry, they were the tie-ins. <laughs> no, Secret Wars Two might have sucked, but the tie-ins were all far better than the actual core book.
1: Blackest Night was actually not that bad a book. My disappointment in it is that it did not fulfill. It did not fulfill its potential. At the end of the book, uh, about eight or so superheroes are brought back to life at the end who had died either in recent years or had died long ago. Uh, i think the only really surprising one was they brought dead man back to
0: life that's kind of an oxymoron right there
1: yeah though it was kind of pointless because he ended up dying in brightest in the brightest day maxi series anyway the point is in a book that's all about death and the potential of life because the end reveal is the white lantern and the entity that uh, that's all about life instead of fulfilling the, pr- the uh, a glorious story potential of bringing back everybody Instead, died. Let's bring back a bunch of characters that didn't really that no one was really demanding that highly, and we should have just you know never killed in the first place. But leave everybody else dead, I and let's that. not bring back people who died in the book itself. Let's just bring back these guys, well, and that's what pisses me off so much is that it did not fulfill its full potential as a story. That should have it should have embraced life if death really is going to have if they were they 're saying for serious this time, dead means dead if you 're really going to pull that kind of crap, then put your money where your mouth is, bring everybody back to life, every single person who has died, every single hero. Yes, even ones that had good deaths. Yes, even ones that already have redundant names. I don't care. So many story potentials for all these characters to come back. If you're really going to have death mean something, start with a clean slate and bring everybody back.
0: So overall you liked it, but you were just disappointed in that they didn't go to their full potential with Blackest Night?
1: Pretty much. It was. It, it's a good read on its own, but yeah, could it could have been, been a lot more.
0: At least it wasn't uh, Countdown. Yeah, at least it wasn't Countdown. <laughs> well, because did you ever read Legends back in '86?
1: Uh, I've been meaning to, but I haven't actually gotten around to reading it now.
0: Legends is actually quite good, and that's one that, to the for the most part, lived up to its potential. Basically, Dark Side influences. You got to remember, this is right after the Crisis, so the the new yeah DC he influences
1: universe. the people using a uh, Gilbert, not Gilbert Godfrey, uh, something Godfrey.
0: Uh, yeah, I I can't remember the first name either. But it's but, uh, not. It's not the. Affleck it's the though.
1: guy convinced lots of people superheroes are evil. They're doing more damage to your planet than help. As I recall, I don't think anyone died in that event either.
0: Uh, no one died. Uh, Robin, he got beaten by a gr- um, a group of spectators that turned on him. Yeah, uh, but he got better. Well, I'm, I know, but he got beaten pretty bad. And basically, the the whole thing, the new Justice League was formed out of that. Yeah. It was it was bringing together Beetle and Batman and Superman and all that. And, but Legends actually was a pretty good read, again, before the writer, John Byrne, went batshit insane, just like <laughs> Frank Miller. Yep. It seems like all the old writers I grew up with are batshit insane now.
1: Pretty much. Marv Wolfman is doing pretty well, though. His stories haven't exactly been, like, you know, super stellar. They're just, they're okay.
0: Well, I don't know what, like, what Chris Claremont's up to today, but I remember when he made his triumphant return to the X-Men and p- put the word triumphant in quotes. It was really bad. <laughs> so I don't know if he just lost it, if the magic was gone, or if he just went through a dry period. I'm not sure.
1: Hard to say with some writers. Let's go back to the old argument again here. I keep going, uh, I keep going newer, off on tangents. <laughs> I know we get we it, we're comic book fans. We're supposed to. Okay. I'd say an argument in favor of newer stories, especially with with in the past ten years, maybe twelve years. What, around when I started? It actually felt like things were developing. Uh, that that the next generation was kind of embracing their roles, that there was a clear divide line. there was the old guard, which was your you know your batmans, your Wonder Womans, your supermans, and then you had the next generation uh their sidekicks kind of coming into their own and being prominent heroes, and then there was the even newer generation, the young justice type, that actually felt like there was a lot of optimism, and there was a clear point where all three could coexist and everything was
0: hunky dory. Unless you've read Kingdom Come.
1: Unless you've read Kingdom Come.
0: Yeah, but even
1: the- then even then Kingdom Come and returns, I hate those I hate the the, the concept of, of all these alternate futures that people want to start moving towards. Why in God's name would you want to move towards them? They're dark
0: futures. But they're good reads. <laughs> Whenever they do that, they're good reads. X-Men- yeah, they're good
1: reads, but I don't but but part of what makes them work is because they're Else worlds and it really shouldn't be the main line. I think that's. I think that's a problem. They want to move towards these darker stories because the perception of dark equals good.
0: Yeah, I I, I agree with that. I I disagree with that dark equals good, but I, I agree with your assessment of it. But sometimes it really can be. Look when Chris Claremont did the Days of Future Past stuff. That was probably the best stuff from the X Men outside of the Dark Phoenix saga.
1: Days of Future Past is not good because it's dark. It's It's good because it's a good story. Being dark is is just an added element of it.
0: I'm going to go back again to 1986. Do you remember when Superman first decided to kill, when he killed the three Kryptonian super criminals in that alternate future where Bruce Wayne, Ollie Queen, and Hal Jordan were the last three freedom fighters in the world completely taken over by the super criminals? And Superman made the decision to use the Kryptonite to kill them because they were too dangerous. Mm. and that was really dark it was the first time Superman said I can't just imprison these people they're going to get out again and they're going to be trouble, I have to kill them and I think something like that if it was not as dark as it was i mean, literally Bruce Wayne got his head torn off by one of the Kryptonians and you needed that for Superman to make that decision that this is what's required for me to step over this line do you see what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, though, it, it's, it's, not a, it's not necessarily a bad story. It's just one of those things where, yeah, the lead into it might have worked, but the end result...
0: I, I wanted to talk a little bit about, and this does go to the old versus new. Now, there's all the comic book movies out there. We're not going to talk about the movies themselves, okay? Mm-hmm. But I've noticed a trend, and keep in mind I'm not reading the current books, but I've noticed seeing the covers and whatnot. Like, when the X-Men movie came out... They, they obviously changed the costumes to that black leather style, and then I noticed the comic book changed to the black leather style of costume. When Spider-Man came out, Green Goblin in the comics started having the green armor, and it seems like it was the comics pandering to the movie fans rather than the movie fans pandering to the comics.
1: That's pretty much the thing, because when a, when a movie comes out, suddenly people all do, it seems that sales do justify this, that, they do actually start looking at comics again. Sure, most of them don't stay, but they try to lead, lure them in and get them interested in it.
0: Because it's like with the new, obviously Green Lantern's not out at the time we record this, but the new costume, I don't like it with all the veins that are in Hal Jordan's costume, why do I get the feeling that that's going to be the new costume in the comics? It's going it to get all vain. It might be. Vague. We're not
1: certain because we haven't seen any of the new actual costumes and that. But let's bring this back around again to our favorite subject, which is that the upcoming reboot, because this kind of comes to that. One of the reasons that has been given for this whole fiasco is that they want to try to appeal to new readers and get people and... Tr- and I hate this this phrase they use, "modernize or connect to the current generation."
0: Uh, I agree with you that sucks. It's it just
1: you know what appeals to people? Look at look at how many movies and stories have endured to this day. How many works of fiction have survived for hundreds of years? Do they survive because they are relatable? No. Perfect they survive example. because they're good stories. In the end it always comes back to this: tell good stories. Will readers always follow? Of course not. But you're doing yourself a disservice by trying what is essentially a publicity stunt. This is a publicity stunt, because the more we're hearing about it, the more it seems like it'll be a soft reboot. Characters will de-age, and that will probably, from what we can tell anyway, characters will become younger and maybe closer to the audience's age, but in the end, it looks like the continuity is actually going to maintain
0: which is good because I would uh, keep in mind I'm not a big Batman fan, but I think it, it'd be disingenuous to all Batman fans or even Action Comics fans to start those books over from number one and stop them. Or, isn't one of them near a thousand at this point?
1: Yeah, both. Uh, yeah, Action Comics is is less than a hundred away from getting to one thousand.
0: So that would be just a kick in the nuts. Hoping hundred once they actually reach it. Right, that would be a kick in the nuts to Action Comics to all of a sudden. Nah, we're just gonna we're gonna send you back to start with number one. And then, but I can give you a perfect example of modernizing a movie that does not work: the Star Wars prequels. The Star Wars movies endure because everybody loves them as they are, not counting Lucas's nonstop messing with them. The pre the prequels are modernized versions with modern style characters, modern style action. No, 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 no,
1: no, 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 no. The problem with the prequels is that there is no characters. At least, at least not. Carica in Phantom Church. Menace okay, once Carica you actually Church. start developing some of these characters like Obi-Wan and Anakin they are not very good they're characters but they're not very good characters they're, they're, and a lot of their motivations and the plot points don't make any sense in terms of modernization the problem with those movies is an over-reliance on special effects and believing that the special effects are what come to the more.
0: well a, a perfect example I just saw a trailer for Fright Night have you seen that new trailer yet? I have not I'm assuming you've seen the original Fright Night?
1: I have not. I know a little bit about it. the best with vampires, isn't it?
0: Yeah. The original was basically uh, a, a washed-up horror actor, like a Peter Cushing, is now a host of a horror TV show, and a kid thinks he's a real vampire killer and brings him in to kill the vampire that's living next door. So they decide for the remake to make, instead of being a washed-up actor and horror host, he's a Chris Angel-style street magician. I guess to connect with modern audiences, it just—am I the only one that sees how those two things aren't even remotely the same? Hollywood has its has this odd
1: projection of what they think the real world works, and because they're in Hollywood and not in the real world, don't get it.
0: And it just it's ah, it really—and it's by that
1: same regard that that uh, an attempt to connect to a modern audience in DC in this reboot is also not going to work right they go it now starting every title over from number one yeah it can work sure it's 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 pretty much a stunt and if you keep the same continuity great but in the end you're probably going to get out of a thousand people who step in just for hypothetical reasons i'd say more than half of them will stick around for one maybe two issues then they'll all go away then as time goes on it'll whittle you'll whittle down more and more for the people who will actually stay on permanently and want to keep reading comic books and reading more about them
0: well a perfect example of of a publicity stunt kind of thing is remember when they killed robin back in like 89 and you know uh, readers got the to Jason call Todd. In, yeah the Jason Todd Robin and readers got to call to pick his fate I remember all the news coverage. Oh, my God, they're killing an iconic character. Robin's dying. All these people went and bought the issue and then were disappointed when they realized it's not the same Robin they grew up with. It's some new kid. Because
1: and that's the thing, because the modern, new reader hasn't read all this continuity.
0: Exactly, and to me, that was DC really pulling a publicity stunt out of their ass and not realizing that people are going to go, but that's not Robin. You know, like, at least when Batman got his back broke... It was Bruce Wayne. <laughs> At least that was that. And well, I, I I just thought of another really fun comic that needed to be as dark and gory as it was. The Marvel zombie stuff. Oh, <laughs> I I love the Marvel zombie stuff. And well, that has to be supposed to be
1: dark humor,
0: right? That has to be as gory and ridiculously over the top as it is, especially the Army of Darkness crossover.
1: Well, it's supposed to be a zombie movie just with superheroes.
0: Who retain their powers and then become silver, the Silver Surfer. They retain their powers
1: and their intelligence.
0: And, and they eat the Silver Surfer and Galactus, which is weird. And, and, and then the Deadites are involved somehow because Army of Darkness is in continuity.
1: No, 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 no. Actually, that's the thing. Uh, 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 Ash thinks it's the Deadites, but it's not.
0: Well, right, but, I mean, it's still... it still... comes
1: across the Necronomicon, and then Necronomicon's like, you idiot, this has nothing to do with me.
0: <laughs> but at the same time, that one lady, the bag lady, said that, that they were Deadites. So the Deadites are still somehow weirdly involved not in the Marvel zombie stuff but in the Marvel Universe the Deadites would have existed then. Or that version Mm -hmm. of the Marvel Universe I mean. I personally love that just like uh, Batman vs. Punisher. That was another really dark comic that had one of my favorite Joker moments of all time.
1: I, have, I think I've read like little bits of it. I, wasn't there one where Azrael teamed up with him, too?
0: Yeah, the Azrael one came first, and like a year later he teamed up with Bruce Wayne, and he thought it was the same character. There was a lot of little fun moments because he thought it was the same character in a different costume. He didn't realize it was two different people. But the, mm-hmm. he's got one of the best, darkest Joker moments this side of the killing joke. Batman's trying to take the Joker in. Punisher beats him up for a minute. Batman's knocked out temporarily. He's got the gun to the Joker's head, and Joker's like, go ahead, take me in. You're not going to do anything. He pulls the trigger back. There's this panel where he just looks into the Punisher's eyes, and the Joker goes all serious, goes, oh my God, you're really going to do it. Am I going to die? And then, of course, Batman wakes up and stops him, but that moment of realization where the Joker realizes he's dealing with someone that's not going to screw around back with him is just brilliant writing I thought it's my favorite joker moment of all time. <laughs> is when the Punisher's got a gun to his head. But we've rambled on for about an hour. We didn't really talk about what I said we were going to talk about. We just rambled on. You want any you want to bring up anything specific?
1: The newer of newer stuff in the end is the potential for change and the potential for evolution of these stories. And as I said in the Ultimatum review what I love about this is that the, at the that there's always a next chapter, and I hate the idea of stepping backwards for the characters, and that's what it feels like some of this stuff is doing, like with uh, Barbara Gordon becoming Batgirl again.
0: I didn't even know that was happening. Last I saw, that her... was
1: that was just announced today that that uh, the Batgirl scene on a cover is definitely Barbara Gordon.
0: Okay, see, that's one thing I'm glad that until now they never backtracked on that when mm. she got shot in the spine. That happened in, what, Killing Joke was, what, 87, 88? And, yeah. it's, and it stayed like that the whole time. That, that, she,
1: she became a much better character, I felt, by becoming Oracle.
0: Oh, I, I absolutely agree. Absolutely. And
1: this this feels like bat tra- backtracking.
0: See, for Christmas, my, my five-year-old niece, she loves Batgirl, okay? But she's seeing the Batgirl that, like, you know, is on Scooby-Doo and the old 60s TV show and stuff like that. And so I tried to buy her a Batgirl comic book. Wow, the new newer Batgirl is not appropriate for a five-year-old niece. You know, they're snapping fingers and breaking femurs and stuff, and I had to go find an old trade paperback with the old stuff to give to my niece for Christmas.
1: Which Batgirl are you talking about, Cassandra Cain or uh, or Steph?
0: No idea. I just picked... I just was she blonde picked, or Asian? Long black hair. I I only flipped through a couple of books, so I'm not sure. It was w-
1: probably Cassandra Cain.
0: Okay, but I was just like, yeah, this is not five-year-old niece appropriate. That's the
1: thing, comics aren't for kids anymore.
0: But I still, I don't want to discourage her from wanting to read comics. She likes Batgirl, I don't want to discourage her from going, well, this Batgirl is too old for you. You know, I My to d-
1: recommendation, the Marvel Adventures line. Someone once described the Marvel Adventures line basically as the ultimate universe, but not adult.
0: Like I said, my niece loves Batgirl, and I want to get her as much Batgirl stuff and encourage her to start reading comics as possible. What is your website, Lewis?
1: Atop fourth wall, dot or thatguywithaglasses.com.
0: And I am 1201beyond.blogspot.com. You can email me at 1201beyond at gmail.com, and you can email lewis at? Lewis at lovehog.com. All right, I'm going to say good night. Good night, sir.